Welcome to At Home with Debbie Rule, where you can freely ask questions, share stories, and learn more about how to have a happy home, family, and healthy relationships. Well, good evening and welcome to At Home with Debbie Rule. We have a wonderful show planned for you tonight to hopefully bring awareness and educate our communities on child abuse and child abuse awareness. Uh, April is Child Abuse Awareness Month, so we will be talking about that this evening and throughout the month of April. But if you would like to have input on tonight's program and you haven't already written in, you can text us at 325-428-6145. And if you're listening tonight and you would like to interact with our Facebook page, just go to At Home with Debbie Rule Facebook. We are happy to hear and share with our listeners your thoughts, stories, and testimonies over the next hour that we spend together. Every week I share these statements of how important I believe the home is. I believe every home should be filled with family, friends, food, music, love, and celebration. But most of all, it should be a place to gather, to be cozy, to feel safe, and the peace of God. I feel honored to have those around me year-round, and I love to say I'm at home with family and friends. Stay tuned for Thoughts from Home. At Home with Debbie Rule, your place to discover more about home, family, and relationships. We'll be back. Are you facing a crisis or has something unexpected happened to you? Maybe your home and relationships have been harmed by divorce? Or do you have marriage, parenting, or blended family issues? Career choices, financial issues, addiction, or just plain old I need to know how to do life better to avoid making so many bad choices? At Home Success Coaching is a great place to start. If you need someone to listen, someone to talk, to process your feelings, insight, or advice on how to have a better life, At Home Success Coaching can help you out of a crisis or just help you stay on the right path and reach the the goal of having the very best home, family, and relationships possible. At Home Success Coaching is a nonprofit organization and there is no charge for our services or programs that are offered. Visit at homesuccesscoaching.com. That's at homesuccesscoaching.com, helping one home at a time. Well, welcome back. This is Thoughts from Home. Child Abuse Prevention Month was created because child abuse and neglect was both widespread and too often invisible. Our children are our future. It may be a cliche, but it's still true that more adults can have a positive impact on child's experiences the stronger the society will be. A safe, stable, and nurturing environment can be a proven positive effect on brain development. Research shows that children who suffer from prolonged stress of abuse and neglect tend to struggle in their behavioral, physical, and cognitive abilities. The effects of early trauma tend to continue through generations. In contrast, experiencing support in early childhood can prevent to even reverse the damaging effects of early life stresses with lifelong benefits for a young person's learning, behavior, and health. Whatever seeds have been planted or not planted will affect a person's health, ability to learn, and ultimately, the earning power. Child abuse and neglect doesn't stem from just one cause, which is why stopping it in this destructive cycle is so difficult. Living in a community with a high rate of violence, limited access to social services, poverty, and unemployment are all factors. Addressing community needs by giving families support has much more impact and cost much less than attempting to address the consequences of adversity after a child has grown up. This has been Thoughts from Home. And joining me tonight on the program is my wonderful husband, Rudy Rule. Good evening, Rudy. Hi, Debbie. It's great to be with you tonight on the program. Well, it's always a good Sunday night. Uh, tonight is a night that we're talking about child abuse, and April is Child Abuse Awareness Month. 
And we're going to be talking about a specific topic tonight. As a matter of fact, I have some just teachings on uh, this topic tonight that's coming from the CDC. And so I hope you enjoy that tonight. I thought instead of me trying to go through all of this, uh, it would be better for you to just hear it firsthand. But it's ACE Overcomers, or ACE, which is Adverse Childhood Experiences, is what we'll be talking about tonight. And uh, as a person that just went through all of this training, and got certified in that, uh, I just find it so interesting that um, we can link a lot of adult behaviors that are negative and issues that we have as adults back to our childhood experiences. So it just made a huge impact on me that uh, even more so do we need to care for our children when they're smaller uh, and growing up because uh, it does really affect their future. And you know it's uh, I'm, it's sad to say, but I resisted some of the things you were sharing with me. I always just had the old guy attitude of, "Hey, life is hard. You need to raise children to be tough." But the things that you brought to my attention just wowed me, and I am still learning. And I've actually changed how I interact with our grandchildren based yes, on you what you have shared with me, and it is amazing the effect of my changing my approach mm -hmm. on how those kids act. And mm -hmm. I'm just blown away by it. Mm -hmm. You know, these are things that are proven. This is research that's studied uh, the brain. And we've seen uh, what happens to children that are, are affected by abuse. And a lot of times we think abuse is just uh, has to be horrific acts of physical abuse or sexual abuse. But, you know, um, a child that is experiencing any type of emotional, verbal, physical, or sexual abuse, or any type of neglect, or any type of household dysfunction is going to have some adverse childhood experiences. And so that's kind of like putting everybody in the box. I think we've all had to some degree something in our childhood that might have brought a little trauma to us, uh, some more than others. And so we have to learn how to deal uh, with those issues. And as we mature and as we become adults, a lot of times we have to learn how to be better uh, partners. We have to be better parents. We have to be better friends. Uh, we need to learn about relationships. And a lot of things and a lot of hangups that we have are from our childhood. And so it's just good for parents to understand that even when you don't think you're doing any harm, sometimes you could be. And then again, there are those situations where there is a tremendous amount of emotional, physical, uh, verbal, and um uh, sexual abuse and also uh, neglect and um, a lot of household dysfunction that children are being raised in. But the good news is there's hope. There is hope for those families. There is training. There are places that they can go to get the resources that they need. They do not have to stay in the situation that they're in. You can become better. And so if your child doesn't motivate you to become better, I don't know what will because that was a motivation motivation for us to be better parents was, you know, just having that child and saying, well, now what do I do next? You know, and wanting to learn to be the very best parent I could be. We had a goal to be good parents, and we studied and uh, put a lot of uh, what we learned into practice. Uh, 
And it was surprising to me to be a grandfather now and thinking, well, I've been through this before, to learn and mm-hmm. to continue learning. Mm-hmm. And we all know bad stuff is bad and you shouldn't do it. But there's other stuff that we do that we think, well, it's not bad. It, it builds character. It's good for them. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about any kind of negativity and a negative attitude or, or control, anger word. Mm-hmm. or It's just amazing the impact it has on that child's psyche. And uh, some of you are same as me. You're out there going, ah, well, they need to be tough. They don't mm-hmm. need to be tough from you. And if you're the person that they look to and love and you're the protector and you're the nurturer, then that negativity from you just hits so deep and so hard. And the pain and the effect is unbelievable. Yes. And we're going to continue to talk about this through the month of April. Next week, we're going to talk about sexual assault because April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And so we'll be bringing some uh, information about that. The Haven Family Shelter has an event that they're going to be doing on April 12th. So we'll be talking about sexual assault awareness next week. But then we'll come back again and talk a little bit more about uh, child abuse awareness. So tonight, I hope you enjoy all of the information as we introduce uh, this topic called ACE, Adverse Childhood Experiences, how it affects your household, how it affects your children, and what we can do to make our communities a better place by bringing awareness to child abuse and also just learning how to make Uh, life better in our own homes and the homes that are around us. So stay with us. We've got a lot coming up tonight with information on ACE, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Hi, this is my neighborhood. I grew up in this building. This is a great community now, but it's had its share of problems. When I was a kid, our community had high unemployment, a lack of resources for families, and lots of kids hanging out with no adult supervision. You might have heard about Adverse Childhood Experiences, or ACEs. ACEs are traumatic events in childhood, like abuse and neglect, that can increase risk for future problems. But they don't have to. The good news is that ACEs and their consequences can be prevented. Take me, for example. I was at risk for ACEs. And despite all the things that put me at risk, some pretty incredible people helped make sure that I wouldn't become another statistic. Come on, I'll show you around. That's Jackson. He's a cool kid. His dad left when he was two, and his mom works two jobs. I hang out with him every Thursday night and help him with his homework. Sometimes we grab ice cream. It's fun. Plus, he has another adult role model to learn from and trust. That's Mr. Martino. When I was a kid, he let me help him at the store sometimes after school when my parents were working late. He did that for a bunch of us. My dad actually found his job as a mechanic because of Mr. Martino. This helped our family in so many ways. Not only did my dad have a steady paycheck, which eased his stress about paying rent and buying necessities like food and clothes, but he was also a lot nicer to me, my brother, and my mom once he started working a job that made him feel good about himself. When communities come together, they can do so much to prevent ACEs. Mr. Martino and other local business owners put together a series of career workshops to help people like my dad find work. My mom also got a job with a company that allowed her to work from home and spend more time with me and my brother. Mariana has just gotten out of a class about handling challenges of single parenting. 
The clinic offers free childcare so Mariana's daughter, Ella, can play while Mariana's in class. The class helps parents like Mariana develop positive parenting skills, not just for babies and toddlers, but for teenagers too. This is another way our community has come together to give families the resources they need, and just one more way to prevent ACEs. This was my school, Riverside Middle, right in the heart of town. These kids are here for a sponsored summer camp. This community-supported program helps families with affordable, quality childcare and helps kids get tutoring and learn life skills. When I was a kid, I spent a lot of time at this school all year long. There was one counselor, Miss Greer, who I remember more than anyone. She was a really good listener. Miss Greer helped me and my brother get involved in after-school activities like baseball and soccer. Our coaches were super nice and were mentors to us. Staying after school for practice kept us and a lot of other kids out of trouble. When schools help take responsibility for preventing ACEs, everybody wins. My life could have gone in a completely different direction. Studies show that ACEs can have long-term negative effects on kids' health and well-being that may last into adulthood and even continue in future generations. But by people and groups taking action, ACEs can be prevented. In fact, there are five known strategies that help stop ACEs before they even start. You can implement them in your own community, just like we did. How? By strengthening economic support for families by changing social norms to support parents in positive parenting, by providing quality care and education early in life, by enhancing parenting skills to promote healthy child development, and by intervening to lessen harms and prevent future risk. So, now you know my story, and you've seen the prevention strategies in my community that helped me beat the odds. I had healthy relationships with my family and friends, I learned how to take care of myself and make good choices. And today, I'm a mentor to other kids who need some extra help so they don't become an ACEs statistic. Safe, stable, and nurturing relationships and environments are essential to prevent child abuse and neglect and to assure that all kids reach their full potential. We've never met before, but I bet I'm a lot like other kids, you know. I spend most of my time at school. Right now, I'm trying to learn multiplication. It's really hard. But I get to school early, and I stay late because my mom works long hours. So I have lots of time to practice my multiplication tables. Kids tease me because I'm at school so much. But I don't really mind being there. You see, a couple of years ago, my mom was really sick. And she wasn't even able to take me to school. She wasn't even able to make food for me. I actually had to go live with my aunt for a while. Luckily, my mom got some help and I got to go home. And now things are getting better every day. My mom's health is under control and a social worker connected her to a parenting class that she really likes. I can tell that my mom's a lot happier these days and we get along much better. And my aunt stops by on the weekends to help me with my homework. I even won a math competition last week. Negative things sometimes happen to kids. And if we don't have support, these experiences can hurt our health, happiness, and well-being throughout our lives. 
talking about things like child abuse and neglect and other challenges in our homes and communities. These are called Adverse Childhood Experiences, or ACEs for short. Whatever role you play, caring adults like you have the power to stop ACEs before they happen and to help people overcome ACEs they've experienced. People often use different phrases to describe adverse childhood experiences. These include child abuse and neglect, child maltreatment, childhood trauma, early adversity, adverse childhood events, and even toxic stress. But we'll use the terms adverse childhood experiences and ACEs. Like I mentioned earlier, although ACEs occur in childhood, they can affect a person's health and well-being long into adulthood. ACEs can lead to an increased risk for poor physical and mental health, low academic achievement, limited workforce productivity, and risky health behaviors. They can even affect future generations, since kids are more likely to experience ACEs and other challenges if their parents also experience ACEs. Some kids are at greater risk for ACEs, but kids from all backgrounds can experience them. And while none of us kids are immune, there are ways to prevent ACEs and the harmful things they can cause. In my case, my school counselor realized I'd been missing a lot of school. It took me a while to open up to Mr. Jeffries, but once I knew I could trust him, he connected me and my mom to the support and services we both really needed. Like Mr. Jeffries and the other people who helped my family, adults like you can play a big role in making sure that all kids have the chance to reach our full potential. On behalf of Kids Everywhere, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to learn more about this issue and how you can help. Our brains develop and change throughout life, enabling us to learn and do new things and to adapt at every age. But childhood, and early childhood in particular, is the most sensitive and critical period for brain development. As a child interacts with the world, their experiences, both positive and negative, stimulate the brain, causing it to form neural pathways that lay the foundation for lifelong cognitive and behavioral functioning. I like to think of brain development as the brain is like a uh, the site of a town, so you can lay out road work. <laughs> You're laying down roads, uh, according to, in the brain's case, according to experiences. So you have an experience and your brain lays down a path. And the more you have that experience, the bigger the path is gonna get and the stronger, and then it's paved and it becomes a real road and a highway. And you're laying out the grid work of the town according to your experiences. And that's very much like the brain development. The more you have experiences, the, the stronger those electrical circuits are gonna be. And that's gonna shape the way uh, you think and act and view the world. Safe, stable, nurturing relationships and environments provide the context for healthy brain development when children have ample opportunities to learn and explore. In this setting, Children acquire a range of experiences that stimulate different parts of the brain, allowing for healthy, balanced development. Some degree of adversity and stress is a normal and essential part of human development that can help children learn how to react to future challenges. But a child who's repeatedly exposed to adversities like abuse, neglect, or unstable relationships and environments may experience what's known as toxic stress, and this can disrupt brain development. Our experiences literally shape the way our brain is developing and the 
brain architecture. So if you have a baby, a very young baby, who cries when they're hungry, uh, and mother comes over and feeds the baby and helps the baby settle down, the baby goes back to sleep, that happens, what, five, ten times a day. And that is laid down, those electrical circuits are laid down in the brain, and so the baby learns that you cry, you get fed, you soothe, and you go to sleep. And that experience is sort of coded into the brain, just like any other experience. So good experiences uh, help the brain develop in a certain way, and if you have adverse experiences, that same baby cries and cries and cries, and the parents are addicted to opiate drugs, let's say, and they ignore the baby. The baby's left alone for 10 hours in the dark. That baby's brain it's still developing, but it's developing in a different way. Their experience is much different, and so it is developing in a way that says you can cry and cry and cry and escalate that stress response as much as you want, nothing's going to happen. Uh, and the interpretation of that is not only is the brain realizing that that's not going to that they're not going to get soothed, um, but the child learns, and this is laid down the brain. The child learns that the world is an unsafe place, uh, that they are insignificant. There's no one out there to help them. Uh, and that is all laid down in the brain as well. Yeah, there, there are different forms of stress that any individual um, is exposed to. There's positive stress that oftentimes is very short term, but you know, it's something that everybody experiences. So even if you said, you know, waking up in the morning, going to work, going to school, that's you know, one form of stress, very short term, but something that your body has to adjust to. Um, you can have you know, very um, neutral forms of stress that are a little bit longer term, but things in which you know, there are resources and support that help you adjust adapt to it, whereas there's other kinds of things that are more long-term kinds of negative stress, and that's where toxic stress really fits into. Um, things in which person doesn't have or an individual does not have the kind of resources and support to try to deal with it, and it has a negative effect in the long-term consequences on that particular individual. So it's toxic in the sense of the body responds to that stress. You know, one of the things that is produced is a hormone called cortisol, and and that constant um, production of cortisol has a negative effect on brain development, on neurological development, and on other kinds of organs and tissues in the body. When we experience stress or encounter a threat, the brain triggers the body to produce hormones that activate a stress response, or what's often referred to as the fight or flight response. In a moment of crisis, this response is necessary and potentially life-saving. But stress can become toxic when the stress response system is activated frequently or for prolonged periods of time. If a child is constantly afraid, her body and brain will remain on high alert, preparing her to react should a threat return. Her body will continually produce stress hormones, and the stress response system will remain activated in her brain, drawing energy away from other neural pathways in need of development or maintenance. In a child experiencing toxic stress, parts of the brain that might be weakened are those regulating complex functions like emotional self-regulation, social interactions, and abstract thinking. This may have consequences throughout life and can result in social, behavioral, and cognitive challenges. Toxic stress uh, implies a certain level of adversity, and that often occurs early in life within childhood. So children who have um, experienced adverse 
childhood experiences um, have been found through very uh, uh, diligent research to be at increased risk for a number of long-term problems when they reach adolescence and adulthood. And these problems really span multiple domains. They can be behavioral problems, emotional problems, and physical problems. So if you think about it, children who have had early adversity are at higher risk, much higher risk for major depression and suicidality for anger management problems, uh, for delinquency and high-risk behavior, uh, for dropping out of school, for teen pregnancy, for runaway behavior, uh, for adult criminality, and for liver disease and lung disease and heart disease, among other things. So it has a profound long-term impact, potentially. And yet, the brain is capable of healing and changing. Effective treatments can help those affected by early adversity, and give them a chance to heal from traumas and learn new ways to interpret and react to stressors and other stimuli. Fortified by this information, we can shift the conversation away from one that blames and punishes people for inappropriate reactions and behaviors that developed in childhood due to adversity and trauma. Instead, we can champion the need for expanded services and opportunities that help people overcome early adversity and we can focus on ways to prevent abuse, neglect, and other challenges before they occur. I don't want to imply that any child who experiences early adversity is on a, a, a mission where they inevitably will experience these adverse effects long term. That's not the case at all. Uh, many kids are resilient, uh, and so they are able to overcome this adversity very early on uh, and prevent the long-term effects. Some adults will experience those long-term effects, but there are ways that we can help the adults. Uh, and very often, I um, work at a child sexual abuse clinic, and very often our our parents will come in, the mother will come in and say, my daughter was sexually abused and it comes out while I'm talking to her that she was sexually abused as well. She never got therapy. So for 20 years she's been living with this experience and hasn't told anyone. That's not too late. She can still get help. She can still get therapy. She can still work through that. She can still kind of overcome that and move on uh, and not have an increased risk of uh, adversity. There are other social pro uh, programs that are helpful. For example, programs that help people uh, develop some of those skills that maybe they didn't develop early on. The, the skills are related to planning, controlling their emotions and controlling their impulses and getting hold of that automatic response that jump to anger, getting hold of that, calming it down, learning how to do that can help tremendously. CDC is the nation's public health agency, and as such, we're really interested in those factors, risk factors and protective factors that influence health. And it turns out that early adversity in the form of violence and other adverse events has a profound impact on health throughout the lifetime. Mental health in impacting infectious diseases as well as chronic diseases. So as such, early adversity and the, and the influence of that is, is critically important from a public health standpoint, and it's strategic. If we can reduce or eliminate early adversity, we can have a, an enormous impact on health of the, the U.S. population and, in fact, people around the world during the course of their entire lives. The categories included in the ACE study do not represent all possible forms of abuse, neglect, household challenges, and other adversities that children may experience. Children can experience many other forms of trauma, including peer victimization, loss of a parent, community violence, historical trauma, war, poverty, and much more. 
However, the categories included in the ACE study provide a good snapshot of things that occurred during childhood. Well, the, the ACE study was groundbreaking or pioneering, if you will, because no one had really tried to look at um, what happened as children and how it might have an effect later on into adulthood. Most people had looked at maybe some of the injuries, especially um, physical abuse of children and how that might have translated into uh, some very specific and oftentimes kind of short-term kind of things. But no one had really looked at, you know, an adult population and seen that, you know, there are other kinds of diseases and conditions that seem to be associated with the adverse childhood experiences. So the ACE study was, was fantastic in the sense that it showed us those things that now we could try to act on it. So whether it was diabetes or um, tobacco use or things like high blood pressure or things like uh, mental illness, all of those things were shown to be associated with the ACEs that people had not known before and researchers had not known before. Um, collecting ACE data um, is really important for informing prevention. For one thing, it really helps us create awareness about this problem. It wasn't too many years ago that people were totally unaware. Violence was thought of as an injury problem alone, just something that caused physical injury. People didn't understand that it also is a factor that contributes to mental health problems, infectious diseases, and chronic diseases. The ACE data has allowed us to demonstrate that, to allow us to make people aware of that. And that is critically important. The first thing you need in order to create a public health response to a problem is to have the public policymakers be aware of the nature of the problem and its full extent. And the ACE data has been critical to accomplishing that. As a part of the study, participants indicated which, if any, ACEs they had experienced before they turned 18. Based on their responses, each participant was assigned an ACE score between 0 and 10 that was used to estimate the amount of adversity the participant was exposed to as a child. In addition to collecting data about their exposure to ACEs, the study assessed participants' current health status and health behaviors to identify connections between childhood adversity and adult health and well-being. The study uncovered a strong relationship between exposure to ACEs and numerous conditions that have a negative impact on lifetime health and well-being. To date, ACEs have been associated with over 40 negative outcomes. Findings from the ACE study led to the development of a conceptual framework that helps explain the connections between early adversities and negative outcomes. As depicted in the ACE pyramid, early adversities can lead to disrupted neurodevelopment, social, emotional, and cognitive impairment, and the adoption of high-risk behaviors that can lead to an increased risk for disease, disability, social problems, and ultimately, early death. While an ACE score provides information about a person's exposure to early adversity, it does have its limitations. The ACE score was developed as a research tool, not as a diagnostic tool. It was designed as a means to collect data about exposure to ACEs. ACE scores do not account for the severity or frequency of adversities, nor do they account for age of onset or a person's relationship to the perpetrator. Despite these limitations, the study provided a model for data collection about ACEs and demonstrated the value of these data. Many states now collect ACE data through the Behavioral Risk Factor Surveillance System, BRFSS. 
an annual state-based telephone survey that gathers information from adults in the U.S. regarding their health conditions and behaviors. These continued data collection efforts provide ongoing and updated information about ACEs that inform prevention and treatment initiatives. I think it's important for us to, to take data and put it into practice, if you will. And so how can data help us in, in regards to ACEs is not only knowing the extent of the problem and some of the patterns of the problem, but then also making sure that we get that information to those that are the decision makers, um, those that are funding programs, those are, who are actually administering programs so that they can take that information and actually put it into practice. I think that's um, the primary reason that we want to collect that information is so we can get it to the people who need to know so that they can make the right decisions. Another thing is actually taking that information and getting it into the hands of prevention program administrators and practitioners so that now that they know this information, they can be able to focus their programs on particular populations that might be at risk. So we're taking the ACEs, trying to expand where it's being used, and then not only take expanding where it's being used, but also expanding how it's being used so that the right kind of people can make decisions about how to focus on population. The ACE data is used in many, in increasingly more ways um, today. First of all, in public health, we use it to show the proportion of po uh, populations that are exposed to these adversities and these risk factors. And that's very important for us to, to identify high-risk populations and to I target intervention strategies, prevention strategies. Adverse childhood experiences are incredibly common. One out of seven children in the United States experiences child abuse and neglect. Over 35 million children in the United States each year are exposed to some form of violence, some form of, of adversity. Um, so these experiences are more common than we're willing to admit. That's one reason why it's so important to be concerned about these exposures. It's very common. Not to say that every adverse experience is going to lead to a health problem, but when you have that type of exposure in a population where almost half your children in each year are exposed to some form of adversity, and you understand that those adversities lead to mental health and physical health problems, it really raises a red flag of concern. The ACEs are, you know, fairly widespread in terms of uh, looking at some of the data, especially when we've looked at, you know, some of the population data. One of the ways that we've tried to um, quantify ACEs is there are several different questions that ask about those adverse childhood experiences. You know, from things like a, a parent being incarcerated, a parent having mental illness, a child being exposed, or actually they're adults, but when they were children, uh, being exposed to physical abuse or sexual abuse. And so of those range of questions, one of the things is we've tried to measure is how many people were exposed to zero ACEs, how many were exposed to one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way on up. Um, and so we find that, you know, there's probably around 40% of the population that probably had zero. Um, and there's uh, a good proportion of the population, a little bit over 12%. So probably about one in eight that have been exposed to several of the ACEs. So, you know, one in eight um, adults that have been exposed to the ACEs in which we believe there are health consequences for that is a pretty big population that we need to try to be addressing and try to do something for. In the absence of protective factors, exposure to childhood adversity can increase individual risk for future violence, unhealthy and unsafe behaviors, and poor overall health and wellness. 
While these potential outcomes exist at an individual level, they can create a cycle that's difficult to break. Children have an increased risk of exposure to ACEs when their parents or caregivers have a history of ACEs. And if the cycle repeats, ACEs and their consequences can echo across generations. Take Paul, for example. Paul's parents had difficult childhoods. They didn't have good role models growing up, nor did they have community support when Paul was born. Paul's dad had a hard time finding work, and his parents were constantly fighting. They struggled to provide for their family on less than adequate wages, and they had limited access to resources like childcare and tax credits that could have reduced the stress level in Paul's household. As a result of these factors, Paul experienced ACEs as a young boy. There was a good chance that these experiences could have had long-term consequences for Paul and even for his kids and grandkids down the line. Paul could have dropped out of high school and struggled to find steady jobs like his dad. He might have developed chronic anxiety like his mom. He could have lived in poverty throughout his life. If these things happened, Paul's children would have been at high risk for ACEs and the cycle might have continued. But this didn't happen. Paul found mentors and friends at the local community center where Paul's dad enrolled in a free job training program. A local hospital partnered with Paul's school to conduct health fairs for the community. And Paul's parents were linked to counseling services that helped them develop healthier ways to cope with stress, communicate with each other, and practice positive parenting. Furthermore, Paul's family and his entire community benefited from programs and policies such as nutrition assistance, public transportation, tax credits, livable wage policies, and public awareness campaigns designed to support families and shift social norms. All of these things helped Paul thrive. Sure, he had ups and downs throughout his life, but numerous factors protected Paul from the effects of adversities he experienced as a child. His family and community gave Paul a sturdy foundation that enabled him to grow into a healthy, happy adult and a supportive father and grandfather. The intergenerational cycle that ACEs can create stopped at Paul. When we consider the number of people affected by ACEs, the range of negative outcomes they can lead to, and the potential to intervene, the case for prevention is clear. Children who experience early adversity are less likely to graduate high school, and they're more likely to be unemployed and living in poverty as adults. What that means is that their children are now living in early adversity, experiencing early adversity, and are themselves at greater risk of not completing high school, being unemployed as adults, and living in poverty. It helps us to see how early adversity can be passed from one generation to the next, but also how poverty is cycles from one generation to the next. As a society, we can disrupt these cycles with policies that support economic conditions for families, that um, help to lift them out of poverty through programs and um, policies. Marilyn Metzler, RNMPH. Break the cycle of poverty by improving access to high quality education for all children, to be sure that all children are able to not only have high quality schools, but to be able to learn in, in schools. We need to look at um, why it is that some children are more at risk than others. What, what puts them more at risk? What are the conditions that they're living in? And what are the policies? Sandra Alexander, MED. Um, for example, um, 
safe and stable housing, a livable wage, access to early care and education can be really important. I think it's important to keep in mind that an ACE score doesn't label a person as having a, an, an easier or hard future. Um, many children who have experienced severe adversity, prolonged adversity early on, um, are very resilient, very strong, and go on to lead very productive, happy lives. Uh, there are individual factors that make children, some children, more resilient than others, uh, and their environmental factors as well. So we tend to see resilience increased when children have a supportive person in their environment. That doesn't have to be the parent, it could be a teacher, it could be a, a school coach, but somebody who can help them, support them, believe in them is, is tremendously helpful. Um, also children who believe in themselves and have a sense of purpose about their lives and a strong sense of self, uh, strong self-esteem, they tend to have more resilience and be able to handle adversity better than children who uh, may lack those things. Uh, so there, there are certain uh, personality characteristics and traits as well as social uh, factors that can really influence a child's um, reaction to stress. Welcome back. It can be tough to learn about adverse childhood experiences and the different ways that ACEs can hurt kids. But exposure to ACEs doesn't have to lead to bad things. A lot of people overcome early challenges and go on to lead a happy, healthy, and productive lives. And it is possible to prevent ACEs before they even happen. Public health approach to preventing ACEs and ways to protect kids like me from experiencing hard things. I'm so glad that people like you are committed to preventing ACEs. We all deserve to reach our full health and life potential. And with the right support, we stand a pretty good chance.
my past defines me. This is who I am. I am unseen. Unwanted. That is what I am. If even I am anything. supposed to be and a heavy sadness filled my soul deeper and deeper I fell within myself and nothing could draw me out of my life, lost in the sorrow of my soul, unable to see the light, unable to see the dawn, to feel, to hope. seems so much like nothing compared to just wanting the most important things back again. 
like wishing you could see your mama smile again and hear her sing that one favorite song that always calmed you down when things were all messed up. Or if you couldn't have her back, at least get to take care of your baby brother. Because you know he needs you. And he's going to be so scared all alone. And who's going to hold his hand and whisper it'll be all right to him? And who will whisper it to me? Desperate. But what happens when those you need the most threaten your very existence? I've heard plenty of promises, and they all sound the same. But push hard enough, and sooner or later, they all prove to be empty. The sun comes up every morning, but do you know where? Each place, it's somewhere different. It's hard to find east when you keep moving around. But at least it comes. It always comes. I've come to depend on that. And slowly, slowly seasons changed around me. And it seemed, this time, that maybe the world would not be pulled out from under me again. Feet safe, roots starting to grow. Little buds of hope forming. Slowly attempting to trust this new life. Hi, run over it. Let me show you what I got for you. Got you a gift. history, my story, is not my fault. It's not because of me. and doesn't have to be what defines my future. of light 
give me hope that someday my summer will come.
It Shouldn't Hurt to Be a Child. That's an original song about child abuse awareness featuring Callie Kathleen. Well, we hope that you'll stay with us the rest of the month as we continue talking about child abuse awareness. Again, next week we'll be talking about sexual assault awareness and the Havens event that will be coming up on the April the 12th. And then we'll be back again to talk more about child abuse awareness. Hope you enjoyed our information tonight about ACE, Adverse Childhood Experiences, and bringing awareness to things that we can make better in our communities. Well, I like that approach, make things better. What can I do to make things better? So if you take that attitude of how can I do something to make things better, if we all did that, things would get better, and they would be much much better. (laughs) Yes. Well, a lot of that is just bringing awareness and being aware and learning, learning ourselves. So I hope that you enjoyed the information about ACE, Adverse Childhood Experiences. We will be continuing uh, to talk a little bit more about that and other topics that have to do with child abuse awareness, Uh, teaching ourselves and our neighbors and our friends how to be better parents, how to be better neighbors, just making our community better by helping to be the very best that we can be for our children, for our children are our future. And that is something that we like to say, and we say it lightly, but the truth is our children are our future. So I hope each and every one will step out and do what they can do to make our community a better place and to help prevent and bring awareness to child abuse. Well, before we close out, we want to just let everybody know that this is National Blue Ribbon Week. And so if you would like to participate in just bringing awareness to child abuse, uh, we do have this information on our website at knelradio.com. If you go to the homepage, there's just on the very uh, right-hand side, they have this information there just kind of underneath the ad. But it's Blue Ribbon Week, and Monday is Don't Turn Your Back. Wear your clothes backwards. Uh, Tuesday, April 5th, is Shine Like a Light. Wear bright and neon colors. Wednesday, April 6th, Wake Up to Child Abuse. If you can wear your pajamas to work, maybe that would be a good day to do that. Thursday, April 7th, is Stand Together Against Child Abuse. Twins, dress like a friend. Friday, April April 8th, is Go Blue Day. So wear as much blue as you can on Friday, April 8th. So if you would like to participate in Blue Ribbon Week and you would like a little bit more information, you can go to our website at knelradio.com. Go to the home page and off to the right-hand side, you'll see Blue Ribbon Week, and it'll tell you exactly uh, what everybody's going to be wearing Monday through Friday next week to bring awareness to Child Abuse Prevention Month. Well, thank you so much for being with us tonight and inviting us into your home. We always love hearing from you and spending Sunday evening with you, sharing our thoughts about home, family, and relationships. From our home to yours, I'm Debbie Rule. I'm Rudy Rule. And we'll see you next week right here at 6 p.m. on KNEL 95.3 FM and KNELradio.com. Have a blessed week. Thank you for joining us today for At Home with Debbie Rule. You can be at home with Debbie Rule every Sunday on Canyon 95.3 FM and CanyonRadio.com. Follow At Home with Debbie Rule on Facebook and podcast on iTunes. See you next week at home with Debbie Rule for more insights on home, family, 
and relationships. Music.